Hey guys, welcome back to an all new episode of the Mostly Reality Podcast. I am so excited for you guys to hear this episode. Jess and I were beyond thrilled to record it. We are interviewing one of our personal favorite podcasters and personalities in reality TV, and that is the amazing Kate Casey. It was so fun getting to talk to her. Um, and I know you guys are really going to like this interview. Before we get to the interview, though, don't forget we are still a wee little baby podcast, so it means so much to us if you can go to iTunes and hit that subscribe button. If you like the show, please give us a rating. It would mean the world to us, especially in this lovely holiday season. So if you guys can do that, we would greatly appreciate it. But without further ado, let's get to this week's interview because I know you guys are anxiously awaiting it. Enjoy. This week, we are joined by the amazing Kate Casey. Guys, I am thrilled to be here. I'm thrilled to talk to you. I am thrilled for two reasons. One, you love reality TV. And number two, that you're from Philadelphia. Yes. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> you know, in my house, I play that Elton John song, Philadelphia Freedom, on the regular. <laughs> it's like your house theme song. <laughs> yeah, and then I totally brainwashed my son. He's super into the Eagles. Well, we watched oh, no. <laughs> I cried, cried my face off when the Philadelphia Eagles won. But then it, I had a momentary, uh, I had a moment of, frustration immediately following their Super Bowl victory. And by that, I mean it. I mean like two minutes mm-hmm. because Peggy Sulahian, which who was a housewife in Orange County, texted me and, and canceled our interview, which was supposed to be the next day. <gasps> so because they won or was just bad luck? Destroyed that moment for me. Um, no, this was like flaking. Oh. That's very Peggy. We, we're not Peggy fans, so we can revolt. <laughs> you know, but so you actually, though, speaking of Peggy, you told a story one time on your podcast that there was like some behind the scenes stuff that you were involved with. And it was with Peggy, right? Um. Yes. So I thought it was so stupid. Um. Oh, God, how did it go? Um. My, so I have a friend who's kind of appeared in the periphery on some of the episodes. Her name's Jackie. She was in the episode where Shannon had a disco party mm-hmm. and, and Kelly yelled at somebody, you know, I, or no, the, the woman said to her, I saw you, but you weren't with him about Kelly's then husband at the time. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's my girlfriend, Jackie. So I was at a Halloween party at her house and it was like the day that the reunion was being filmed. And Jackie and Peggy were friends and they were texting each other about the reunion. And she said something like, at that time, Shannon and David had announced, just had announced that they were divorcing. And Jackie sent Peggy a screenshot of the TMZ article announcing that they were splitting. And if you looked at the screenshot, right next to their picture was a picture of Kate Hudson when she was filming some movie where she had a shaved head. Mm. So Peggy oh. just looked, glanced at that quickly, that picture, and then went into the reunion. And there was discussion at the reunion about Shannon's former husband, David, had immediately moved in with his girlfriend. And Peggy, to like 
stake her claim in the reunion and said something. And I don't think any of this ended up being shown. She said something like, well, yeah, I, you know, he's living with his girlfriend already. And, and Shannon got fired up. Like, how do you know that? And she was like, Peggy was like stoking the fire. And she said, well, who is he living with? And she thought back to that screenshot that Jackie had sent and said, oh, well, um, or maybe she said this to Kelly off air. Something like, I saw the picture of David's girlfriend and she was like, uh, she looked like a, a, like a lesbian or something. I forget, but it, Bottom line was she thought the picture of Kate Hudson was actually a picture of David's new girlfriend. Like she didn't spend oh. enough time to read the article or look at the picture. She just wanted to like put, put her feet in the fire. So, I mean, now in retrospect, it's like the dumbest story, but um, I told Heather and then Heather said, um, can I tell hey, Tamara? I said, tell Tamara. And the next thing I know, I was talking to Tamara about it. We were just basically crossing note, like uh, crossing notes, like yeah. yeah, like oh, this girl Peggy actually has no idea what she was talking about. God, that's the most boring story in the world. I'm so sorry. Well, no, no I it's love it. so and funny. And I actually have a question, which we'll we'll get to kind of a little later on, but about kind of another petty thing that was brought up from your show. But before we kind of di- deep dive all reality, I think it would be cool if you just tell us, because I know that you went to school for political science, right? I did. Yep. What, what, um, what prompted the, um, change into comedy and kind of the, the spin? Cause I know from listening to your show that you had actually talked about like having, um, a desire to actually like thinking about running for office at some point, like in your past and stuff like that. So what prompted kind of the change in career path? Um, okay. So when I, uh, had my first child that was in 2009, I was just, well, I guess even in the years that preceded that, I, well, I guess I should go back further than that. I, uh, I got a degree in political science. I thought I would end up in Washington. I thought I would work, you know, as, uh, like something in lobbying or some government affairs. I found a job that was, a, a consulting firm that helped it was like legal PR media consulting for many senators that had gone back to their law firms. And that was kind of how I got into that, that career trajectory. And, um, and that, that's also because while I worked at the white house, I had, I, I worked in the press office. So I, I had a minor in communication. So like political science and communication sort of always were kind of weaving their way in my life. So it was a great job right out of college. And I continued to do it for like 16 years. So basically what I mean by media consulting for law firms is that I would create media opportunities for lawyers and provide consulting to them on crisis PR. So let's say you're reading an article in the wall street journal about a securities litigation case. Uh, and there was an attorney that was quoted about the implications of a lawsuit or a law chances are I was the person that put the attorney in touch with that reporter. Hmm. So it, it, it required me reading the news all day long and knowing a little bit about all kinds of areas of law, anything from intellectual property to product liability, insurance recovery, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. So I would do that all the time, but I also had this true love for entertainment and comedy. So I 
ended up in LA because I work for a PR firm and they said you can move to San Francisco or LA move to LA I work in the same office as a bunch of entertainment publicists and they would laugh because they would have these weird questions uh, that they needed answered and I always seemed to know the answers despite the fact that I worked in a completely different industry so it was like hey does anybody know the name of Kelsey Grammer's production company and I raised (laughs) my hand it's Gramnet Productions. And they're like, why are you doing legal PR? You should be doing entertainment PR. So it was just kind of funny like that. Now, so I um, ended up marrying my husband. We moved to Orange County and I have my first child and I was just chomping at the bit. I started taking improv comedy classes and would drive to LA. And I had a chance, uh, kind of discussion with my husband's best friend who said, you, you really got to write. You've been talking about this forever. You really got to write. So he said, write about what you know. And then I started a blog and I would do, I I think my first blog piece was about why would a celebrity fake date? And I explained why. And then I started watching the show called Real Housewives of Orange County. Now I had been a reality TV lover forever. So it's just like adding another show in my queue, but I was fascinated by it because I was also living in Orange County at the time. So it was just sort of this weird juxtaposition of watching the show. So I started to write what I would call fan fiction, which were recaps of each episode, but exaggerating scenes, putting in dialogue that never occurred, just making, it was almost like dessert after a really delicious meal. So if you watch that episode that week of Real Housewives and you're like, I am dying to talk about what happened. I would be the person that you would want to come to my website and read the recap because it was just like added comedy. So I did that for a long time. And then Heather McDonald was reading my recap. So we became friends. I was a guest on her show. And from that, I thought, you know, I think I could do a really interesting podcast if I could track down people who had been on reality shows and ask them what it's like to be on a reality show. And I also thought it would be hilarious to take people who may or may not watch reality shows, have them watch an episode and then chat about it. So I pitched my idea to the to the Wondery Network and they greenlit it, which is really miraculous now, two years later, because it's, I think, quite hard to get uh, deals at different networks. And um, so I started this little podcast and it kind of grew it. So that's kind of how I began in legal PR and came to this now I stopped doing legal PR after my fourth child because now I have five kids so um, all the time that I was writing those block those recaps and stuff I was doing that at night like after work so it's kind of come full circle now so now instead of doing legal PR and writing recaps I'm raising five children and hosting um, a popular reality TV podcast So my message to anybody who's like sitting in their office today and they're like, you know what? I just don't think this is like where I'm supposed to be. I would say that if you spend most of your day looking at the clock, wondering what time you need to get out of work, it's because you're not doing the right thing. And if you do something you love and you work seven days a week and you don't care, it's because you're doing the right thing. So find something that the kind of job that fulfills you in a way um, that it wouldn't matter if you worked 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because you would, it just would fulfill you. So somehow find a way to do that. And you know what? The problem is sometimes that you don't get paid for that right away. 
and you have to be patient and just hustle and figure out a way to make it happen. But it's not worth staying in a job that doesn't, you know, make you want to get up in the morning. There's so much yes to that. So much. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's like basically my whole journey to becoming a flight nurse and like the hustle and just, I mean, and I work, oh, Brandon can attest to this. I work a lot. The last two podcasts we've had to record while I'm at work and just take the chance that I don't have to just cut off in the middle of a sentence and run out. <laughs> but I get oh, it. That's so amazing. Yes, I, I preach I, the same thing. <laughs> I get frustrated all the time. I mean, my friend Lindsay is like, oh my God, another story. But, you know, it's like, um, I get frustrated all the time. And then I always feel like the universe sort of bitch slaps me where, I constantly feel like, God, what am I, like, I'm working so hard. Are people listening to me? Do people like what I'm doing? Like, and then I'll go somewhere and then someone will stop me. And I feel like that's the universe's way of telling me, like, keep going. And I think that we all get kind of messages like that and we need to pay attention. So, you know, in the moments that you're really frustrated and you feel like you hit a wall, there's probably a message for you around the corner. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you've had a lot of guests on your show, but who have been some of your favorites? You know, now it's to the point where I actually forget sometimes that I had somebody on a show. (laughs) Uh, Did I have them on? Oh yeah. Um, God, there's so many, it's really hard to say. In most cases, I really enjoy my guest. I, I found that my goal is always when I interview somebody that they become less of a one-dimensional person on a television show. And that not only for myself, but for the listener, that we somehow connect with the person that I'm interviewing. So it's been really fun to get to know different kinds of people. And I guess the most surprising interviews, I would say, are the people that I went into the interview thinking I may not have anything in common with and end up actually really enjoying them. So like an example of that would be John Goslin. I thought, you know, he's this one dimensional person on television. He just seems like a really lazy parent, miserable person. And then I interview him and I found him really funny, extremely thoughtful. And I think he's a really great dad or Mike, the situation <laughs> from Jersey shore. I thought this guy's like a pill pop being weirdo like cheese ball and then I get on the phone with him and I'm like oh god I really like him I thought he was really smart he had a lot of introspection after a couple years off television and um extremely kind and very self-deprecating so I, I really enjoyed him I love talking to Rachel Duffy from the real world San Francisco mm-hmm. because she was on the season where Pedro Zamora was a cast member and he was one of, he was actually the first person to be on television as somebody with AIDS. Mm -hmm. So it was just an incredibly poignant season. And I love to hear her perspective being on that show and the cross section of pop culture and politics. And she is now married to Sean Duffy, who was on the real world Boston. They were both on the road rules, like one of those ancillary shows They were married. They live in Wisconsin. They have eight children and he is a Republican congressman. She's on Fox News all the time. So even though we don't necessarily have the same politics, I really found her to be so interesting. And I relate to her, of course, because I have so many children as well. And I found that, you know, we have a lot in common as far as we may not have the same politics, but 
a lot of our, our, our core values are similar. And I was really just excited to talk to her about what the experience was like to be in that season, to know Pedro and how she looks back at that season. For example, when she was on that season, she, you know, she was this extremely conservative, politically conservative girl from Arizona, from a, a family where her father was from Mexico, her mother was from Spain. And she goes onto the show, set in the most liberal city in America. They knew going into it that there would be a castmate who had HIV AIDS. So she found out who it was like a couple days into the filming. And by the end of the season, they've got this really strong friendship. And she took him back to meet her family in Arizona. And her mother was a school teacher. And her mother had Pedro go into the classroom with her and talk to the children of her classroom about what it's like to have AIDS, HIV, HIV and AIDS. That would, you would have never conceived something like that would have happened on television. Never. And it was just, I'm, I think of those moments in television as so, so important because it really is, television can be an incredible, incredibly important medium, uh, a great platform. And it was inconceivable at that time you could even see somebody on television who had AIDS or HIV, let alone somebody who comes from a conservative political background, and she was a, like a strict Roman Catholic, to invite him into her home and for her mother to take him to a classroom of children to explain what it was. It was just inconceivable. And the interesting thing about Pedro is that once he died, he died the day after the finale of that show aired and the ratings for that season were so high. And the president of the United States at the time, uh, Bill Clinton, spoke out at a press conference about how much Pedro meant to the American public and how he had shifted perspective on what it's like to be homosexual and to live with HIV AIDS. In fact, he said he did more for um, raising awareness of that disease than the federal government could have ever done. Wow. So, I love that interview because it really speaks to what I think about reality television as a whole. And for those people that sort of like, they, they sum reality TV down to one television show. Like when they think of reality shows, they're like, oh, it's, you know, some, some floozy girl on The Bachelor. It's so ridiculous because there's a whole spectrum of shows. And what I love about my show is I, I, I or at least I hope what I'm doing is that I'm not only giving voice to somebody who is on a television show, but also giving voice to the producers who work tirelessly to bring some fantastic shows to television shows like born this way about people who have down syndrome or, you know, there's just so many different shows. Right. Yeah. I, I think those are my those, favorites. <laughs> I those um, years of the real world because it kind of well I don't even know if they're really even doing new seasons of it but now um but the last couple have been a little more like tawdry um so I miss those where it was really kind of getting to the core of people well I remember when I talked to Jonathan Murray I interviewed him he was the creator of the real world mm -hmm. and he said that their goal for the show was really to highlight people in that coming of age time and I yeah. find that when I read some of my favorite books are about people who set in that time of, of, of someone's life. I find that to be like an interesting period of life. So I think that's why I really love the real world. I, I agree with you in some seasons, maybe they drifted off on that. But 
Um, I, I do think that they did a great job um, in the early years. I miss those years too. I interviewed Norman Corpy, who was on the first season of mm-hmm. Real World. He, he was the first person on television to say that he was gay. Yeah. And that was interesting to hear his perspective too. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, uh, one of the, my favorite interviews I have to say also is the interview I did with the producer of Flavor of Love and Surreal Life. Mm-hmm. Because I, I actually thought, I'm going to pee my pants laughing. Like <laughs> there might actually be a urine release. This is so freaking funny. Um, so I always try to point people back to that episode. Like if you're at work and you need a good laugh and you're just, or like you're driving in the car and you're stressed out, that's a great episode. To, so I think it's 121. You go back to that and that's just hysterical. I'm going to flag that for the bad days at work. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, the frustrating thing sometimes is that as far as downloads, I think, you know, I'm obviously going to get more downloads if somebody's on TV now, like a a Lala Kent on Vanderpump Rules or Captain Mm -hmm. Lee at Below Deck. But sometimes it's really fascinating to go back in time and catch up with people off TV for, for a long time because it really tells you so much about how the shows are done now. For example... Jennifer Sheft was like one of the first bachelorettes. She was, uh, Andrew Firestone chose her on the bachelor and then they broke up and she became the bachelorette. And it was just fascinating talking to her about what it was like in the early years of the bachelorette or Melissa, um, Rycroft who was on Jason Mesnick's season. She, he chose her and then they broke up mm-hmm. and then to hear her perspective, like I, she said, I don't, I didn't really even know this guy. I I had heartbreak at home. My friends encouraged me to be on the show. So I went on to try to get over my heartache. And next thing I know, I'm having all these conversations and a producer's telling me, you know, he really likes you. He's just connecting with you more than anybody else. And then you're having these conversations on the show and you're not really talking about anything of surface. It's just like funny stories and childhood stuff. And, and you think to yourself, well, he seems to really like me and we're going on all these great dates and everyone's telling us that we're meant to be. And the next thing you know, he's giving you a ring. It's gorgeous. And you're in this nice dress and you say, okay. And then you think back to the hometown date and you think, was that really his house? I didn't see any pictures in the house. Do I even really know anything about him? I don't know what he does for a living. Really. I don't know what he, who he voted for in the last election. I don't know how much is in his retirement account. And then you go home and you're talking to them on the phone because you're not allowed to see each other because it's this deep secret of who he chose. And you really, you don't have anything in common. You're not talking about anything on the phone. And then you feel trapped and you don't know what to do because you have to do press. So those things are fascinating to me and why I think those episodes are so valuable for the TV viewer now or now because you understand the inner workings of a show, but you also have empathy for the people that put themselves on television. And it's difficult sometimes when you look at shows now where somebody goes from obscurity and then all of a sudden they have 350,000 Instagram followers and they're posting pictures of tea and making money off of it. But the truth is, if you peel back that layer of their life, they've opened their life to scrutiny and they have people on Instagram telling them that they need their lips done or that they should lose weight. And then Maybe they gave up their job and they actually didn't make any money on The Bachelor, but they were hoping that it would create some more like opportunities. Maybe they wanted a career in television and they thought this is the only way to do it. Or the people that are on Vanderpump Rules who were working as models or actresses for years pounding the pavement and that they've seen that every time they put their name down for an audition sheet that you now have to put your, how many Instagram followers you are. And you thought to yourself, 
well, how in the world am I going to do that? Well, maybe if I go on a reality show, then I'll get a million followers and then I can get the kind of acting roles that I want because now the only actors that they want are people that are going to give them, you know, uh, publicity via their Instagram. So there are all these like moving parts to reality shows now. And so going back in time is helpful too, as just as much as talking to somebody who's on the show right now. Yeah, I actually just listened to uh, one of your episodes today. I think it was an older episode, but it had um, Charlie and Sabrina Balducci from uh, True Life. They were a riot. They oh were my goodness. They... <laughs> well, we have them apparently to thank for every reality show that's ever existed beyond them because they definitely have laid down claim to every reality show after them. But it was definitely yeah, that was a right. That was a great episode. True life. We're getting married, mm-hmm. and Charlie threatened to gut the limo driver because he was <laughs> had the audacity to help me. I'm, I'm, but you know, the truth is, maybe they do have a little bit of a point because if you're of a certain age, you probably know that episode and thought yeah. it was just as funny as I did. So I don't know. Maybe they did. Yeah. <laughs> Have there been any guests, and I can think of two off the top of my head right now, but have there been any guests that have kind of left you like rolling your eyes or kind of anything like that while you were talking to them? Sure. Uh, Lots of times. Um, You know, there, like I said, there are many moving parts. I, I live in Southern California and I'll get people that will say, you know, the sound quality wasn't great. Okay, well, I'm calling someone through my computer and I'm not taking a private jet to, um, you know, point blank, you know, Missouri or wherever, or, you know, New York City this afternoon, unless you've got a private jet for me to do an interview. Like, I'm just trying to make my day happen just like the way you are. And I'm giving you a free show. So can you throw me a bone? Um, So there there's that there's like uh, how much time do I have like I just interviewed um Todd Chrisley and I was so excited to talk to him and like five minutes before no three minutes two minutes before the interview the publicist said okay you've got 10 12 max uh, interview minutes max and then it's like I've just spent hours researching this person and coming up with what I think to be really thoughtful interesting questions and now I, I I feel rushed so there's like eye rolling moments in that way, like the behind the scenes stuff. And then, um, yeah, sometimes people answer and I'm like, well, that's probably not a sincere answer. But then I also think maybe they would be more sincere if this was if like I had more time with them, if they knew me better. I don't know. It's like it, it's it's a whole it's a whole thing that runs through my head all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's frustrating I for sure. Of- I kind of always come from the point of view is like, I can, I can find a way to crack anybody open and kind of try to understand them better. It's just the limitations of, you know, time or um, like a publicist involvement or, or I don't know. There's just so many moving parts. Did you think that you got to understand Jesse from 90 day fiance better? (laughs) no I think I know exactly who he is yeah yeah I do yeah I don't I don't think yeah I think I know who he is yeah I I think I do 
Yeah, because he's one that I definitely was walking around the grocery store listening and I was rolling my eyes. <laughs> but I mean, he did. Pre- I mean, he presented himself on your show exactly like he does on the, on show, the show, which is interesting because in your interview, he was complaining about the like kind of the editing a little bit, which I thought yeah, was funny you know because they, they he all was exactly the same way. <laughs> they all do. But I will say this about him. I think that he there is an element to him that he isn't on the joke. I do think he has a good sense of humor. Like, remember when I gave him the quiz? Yes. Like, he laughed about it. Yeah. And you know what else? He was extremely gracious. Wow. Thank you so much for letting me come on your show. I really like it. I really appreciate it. And you know what? A lot of people don't do that. Some people go, Jesse Meister from 90 Day Fiance is a horrible person. You know what, though? He's kind of funny. And he's really gracious. And and those two things can get you a, a, you they can get you far with me. Whereas there are other people that are not gracious at all. They, they, tre- they, they treat me poorly or, you know, so, you know, sometimes the people that you think are going to be the worst guests are actually the nicest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I know on Instagram you have mentioned that Bethany is a dream guest of yours, but do you have uh, any other dream guests? Oh, sure. I would love to interview the Osbournes. Oh. I would love to interview um, some of the Kardashians. Mm-hmm. I'd love mm-hmm. to interview a producer of Teen Mom. I'd love to interview the the creator of Laguna Beach. Oh, I missed that show. Um, I don't know. There's, there, there's so many people. I'd love to interview Jeff Lewis. I'd love to interview Andy Cohen. I'd love to interview an executive at Bravo. Mm-hmm. It's changing. I also there, there are going to be shows in the next year that I'm going to want to interview. There will be new shows that come out. I'd love to interview Chris Harrison from The Bachelor, Mike Fleiss who created The Bachelor. I'd love to interview him. But I'm sure like February, March, April there'll be new shows on TV where I'm dying to get an interview. I'd love to interview the cast of Sister Wives. Oh. <laughs> also, but I think that you know, the people that watch reality show are also reality shows are also interested in sort of tangential topics like true crime and documentaries. So once in a while there'll be one of those, those stories that pop up and I, and I am interested in interviewing someone associated with that project. Like an example would be the keepers, which was the documentary on Netflix about the nun that was murdered. That really captivated me. So I was so happy to get a chance to talk to someone involved with that project. Oh my God. I loved that episode. <laughs> the Maura Murray disappearance of Maura Murray episode that yeah. I was interested in that because I lived on the East coast and I knew about that case and then the oxygen network did a show about it. So I got to interview the host, but then I also had a psychic channel Maura for an unsolved mysteries episode. I guess I'm just like the longer I do this, I'm realizing, I feel like I can, I can tap into what other people are, are, are watching and that it's not just reality shows. It's sort of like this spider web effect. So right. uh, the thing I really love too about doing this is like, especially creating that Facebook community I did is that everyone's so excited to share the other podcasts and shows that they're, they're watching or listening to. And we all want to share information and, I think the more we watch and listen to shows about other people 
it, it, it makes us look at our own lives and assess our, the way we behave or the way we think, the way we deal with others. And it, it makes, forces us to evolve in some small way and it connects us too. So I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm really enjoying what I do and the people that I get to meet, whether it's the people I interview or the people that listen to the show. It's just been a really incredibly gratifying experience. Yeah, it's a really cool community um, mm-hmm. that you have. Thank you. Um, so one of your, speaking of your podcast, one of your episodes actually was kind of a topic. One of your interviews was a topic on this season of Dallas. So what was that like for you? Very annoying. <laughs> <laughs> very, very, very annoying. Um, so I'm buddies with Deandra Simmons Mm -hmm. uh, and I met her just interviewing her on the show. So I interviewed her twice, but like I interviewed her the first time, I think it was over the phone. And then she said, you know, we chatted a couple of times. She said, I'm coming to LA. So I took my equipment, went up and I interviewed her. And in the interview, she's just, my question was really more about what is it like to be almost 50 years old and then all of a sudden be thrust, not thrust, but like to appear on a TV show because I cannot imagine having one big career your whole life. And then you're on television with all the scrutiny that comes with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, sure you've got a thicker skin because you're older, but on the reverse of that is that as women age, you know, their skin gets saggy. It's harder to lose weight. People are assessing, the, you know, the way that your face looks and if you're aging. And so how difficult is that? And so I asked her about that. And she, she just said, you know, I struggled with my weight my whole life. It's like I was at fat camps. Like it was really difficult. And before I started filming the show, I had to go on like a strict Atkins diet. I had to work out like twice a day. And it was really difficult for me. And, it, you know, I live in the city where people are on Adderall. And that is a fact. In the United States of America, a lot of women take Adderall to stay skinny. It's horrible. It's terrible. It's not only horrible for their bodies, it's, um, it, it's, it's like the wrong message. You, know, you don't need to be super skinny when you're 48 years old. You don't have to be. It's, not, it's, it's, it's okay to have a little like cushion in your body. Right. So I was happy that she talked about that, like that somebody was like, yeah, I was really stressed out to be on TV. And especially when you know that other people are using pills to stay skinny and how it keeps you up and you, it suppresses your appetite and all that. I thought it was a great answer. I was really happy that she was so open. And then next thing I know, she's calling me and she's like, it's so weird, Kate. They keep bringing up your podcast on the, the we're filming the show and they keep bringing it up. And I was so confused by it. And then I watched <laughs> it play out on TV. And I just thought, wait a minute, that message is totally muddled. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure no one felt the same way I did, but I just didn't want people to see that and think that I was trying to be nefarious, like get certain, like, inform- like it was a misrepresentation of the conversation we had. And I didn't want someone on the show, another cast member to say, well, gosh, if I go on Kate's show, look, look at the crap show that happens. Like this is a byproduct of opening yourself up. So that's the way I was looking at it. And that's why oh. I was frustrated. But I also was frustrated because no one, they said a podcast, but they didn't say my name. It was like, that <laughs> was helpful to me. 
They could have at least thrown you some credit. <laughs> well, and that's kind of what I was like, that's what I was alluding to a bit at the beginning of our conversation, like talking about Peggy. Like I actually listened to that interview after seeing the episode. And so I almost was expecting it to be like a little bit more of like Deandra spilling some tea. And it really wasn't. And I really, I, I, I think it was interesting as like a listener and a viewer to be able to connect those two, like that kind of like, it totally is like what you're saying, like a total misrepresentation of the conversation. And it was said just kind of like that part of it was really kind of said like as a matter of fact, but also like almost like in passing a little bit. So it was interesting that it was blown up into this huge thing on the show. Yeah, it was, it was frustrating. Yeah. It was definitely frustrating. Um, so you've spoken about being considered for Real Housewives of Orange County. Can you tell us a little more about that? I don't think it got very far. There were two occasions, two seasons where I talked to a, a producer. Um, and now that I'm friends with the producer, I think it's even hilarious that somebody even called me. First of all, it's too meta. Like it's too, I'm too inside baseball. And <laughs> I know what they want and I'm just, I wouldn't be a great fit. Yeah. Well, let's say that you did get on that cast. Who could you see yourself bonding with and who would you see yourself like, like totally clashing with? Well, who's the cast? Like the one that was on last year? Let's say uh, Yeah. Mm. Well, Kelly Dodd and I have a lot of friends in common. So that would probably overlap a little bit. Um, and Gina and I have friends in common. So probably Kelly and Gina, I probably relate. To, I mean, I can find a way to relate to anybody. I think Emily and I could chat about maybe like her career in law or something. I don't know. She has lots of kids too. Um, mm -hmm. I do know Tamara a little bit. I don't, I, I, there's absolutely nothing that I could talk to Vicky about I just don't find her very interesting <laughs> I don't know she's just not my jam I don't know what to tell you like I'm like everybody else I've watched the last couple seasons and it hasn't really blown my hair back I think the, the if there were to be one person I'd probably connect with it'd probably be Kelly plus like Kelly when only we have friends in common we live like I don't know a mile and a half from each other and she's got a daughter at this a school where a bunch of my kids friends go to so probably Kelly that that would be fun for us to to imagine you guys hanging out like that. So that's yeah. fun. <laughs> Kelly's, got a, Kelly's got thick skin. She's got a good way of like brushing things off. Um, I I think that she's I think she's she's bright. I I probably Kelly. Okay, so we are going to end this episode with something that we haven't done before. But we think that you'll be the uh, fun first person to do this with. And it's just like a little lightning round of some quick fire questions for you. So okay. your game, does that yep. work? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we got 10 questions here. So number one is, who is your all-time favorite housewife? Bethany. Oh, okay. So this probably answers question two. Uh, team Bethany or Team Carol? Bethany. <laughs> Um, below deck, original or med? Um, 
original. Okay. Yeah, uh, because I'm more of like a Captain Lee person. Oh, I'm oh, obsessed I love with him. Kate Chastain. I love everything <laughs> about her. Um, <laughs> um, I say that pretty much in every episode, hoping that somehow she'll find out of my love for her and be friends with me. Um, but number four, housewife you wish would come back. Um, housewife that I wish would come back. Uh, gosh, let me think about that. Um, um, I, you know, I'm going to say something that not many people agree with. I thought that the, the, the season of Real Housewives of DC was fascinating and so enjoyable because of Mikhail and Tarek Salahi, who, mm-hmm. by the way, I did interview Tarek Salahi. Thank you very mm-hmm. much. Um, I would like to see, I know they're not together anymore. I'd love to see them as a couple living in Beverly Hills. Ooh, I'd like to see the Sahis. Never going to happen because they're divorced now. But I would like, I, I thought them as characters. They were, they were, they, she was fantastic TV. The whole thing about like, was she a cheerleader or not? Touring the vineyards when there's like, there's nothing on the vines. Going for this, the, the tour of houses, even though they don't, have, they have like four waffles in their bank account. I mean, it was just like unbelievable television. <laughs> now I want to go back and rewatch. That was a great season. I mean, there were a couple snoozers on that cast. They just weren't that interesting. But I thought the Salahis were fantastic TV. Um, okay, question five. Did James sleep with Hope while Raquel was sleeping in the other room? Yeah, I mean, sure, probably. I mean, he's a young guy. He's on a TV show. Women throw themselves. I'm sure at this point, these, there are a lot of girls that are hoping that if they sleep with him, they can angle their way onto the TV show. So, yeah, sure, why not? Do I think that he and Raquel have this, like, incredible relationship? No. Do I think that Raquel is excited about the opportunity to be on TV. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. God, she's got nothing else going for her because there's no personality behind that blank face. She does, though. (laughs) She's got a college degree. She just got her degree. She should go and have a real career. This is not like a real career. Yeah. I know. I I wish that message would sink in with her (laughs) because I feel like nothing. That's like a dead sponge that won't absorb any more water. Oh, that poor girl. <laughs> but you know what? I think it's because fame is a real drug to a lot of people. Yeah. And oh, like I, I said, she was, a pa- she was in a pageant before. She clearly had hoped at some point to go into, like, modeling or acting. And it's real. It's brutal to be in this business now for those people. And like I said, they go into auditions and you have to write how many Instagram followers you, are, you have. And so they feel like this is, like, a fast track is to – you know, be on a reality show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I listen, I get it. I'm like, they explain it to me. I'm like, I get, I see why you're, that's your route. You don't know if it's going to pan out in the end, but it's for them. It's like, it's worth a try because otherwise, you know, we get it too in some way because we have podcasts and we know how difficult mm-hmm. it is for someone to find your show, to download an episode. And, and sometimes you probably hit a wall and you're like, what do I have to do? Stand in the street naked, like just to get people to listen. So I think that yeah. that's an aspect to why some of them are on the show. 
Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Was it really about the pasta? <laughs> I mean, make probably. I-, I can't believe that none of these people are not somehow involved in stuff, right? I mean, they're on a TV. I feel like if you're on a TV show, if you're an actor, an extra, if you do craft service, that that stuff's probably floating around somewhere. Yeah. I mean, um, I was, like, how do they stay so skinny? That's what I never uh, understand. They're all skinny. They all eat crappy food. They drink a ton of alcohol. I know that their metabolisms at some point are going to shut down. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, it takes me a week to recover from, like, a bad night of eating and two drinks. <laughs> I don't understand how these people can sit out and eat goat cheese balls and suck down cocktails. Like, I mean, it's it nothing. Is fascinating. I'm like, who would eat a goat cheese ball? It's so <laughs> <crazy>. <laughs> Like, Tom Sandoval and Tom Schwartz, by the way, very, very nice guys. Mm-hmm. They're making these cocktails. And I'm like, you know how much sugar is in that? Like, who drinks this? Oh, yeah. I feel like that every time I, I hear about one of Tom's new concoctions. <laughs> but but you can have a shot glass to take home with you. Or it'll be, or if I'm not totally dumbfounded by how many calories it is, I just think how expensive it must be. Like the dry ice, and the rim is laced with like some sperm from some snail that lives in Indonesia. <laughs> like, God, what is that? Like twenty six dollar martini? Like who buys this? Oh, God. That's like a whole drinkful of regret. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. What housewife do you think is past their prime and needs to call it a day? Vicki Gumbelson. I've, 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 I know your life story. I'm, nothing surprises me anymore. I don't think you, she can relate to people anymore. I think it's time for her to go. I don't think that Lisa Vanderpump needs to be on Real House of Beverly Hills anymore. I think that she's so busy with Vanderpump Rules. She could do spinoffs, Vanderpump Rules Beijing, Vanderpump <laughs> Rules, you know, I don't know, Morocco, whatever. Yeah. Like, she doesn't need the show anymore. No, uh, she could even get some so- cameras in her dog shop or something. Like, oh. Yeah, I just think it's fine. You, she doesn't need to do it anymore. Yeah. And I don't know if she necessarily likes doing it anymore. And I, I think that after you're age 60, like, do you really want to hang out with people that are 38 years old anymore? Probably not. I mean, I mean, we would hope not, but she conveniently seems to pop up with Teddy Mellencamp, who, if I'm not mistaken, is the youngest person on that cast, which I find very strange. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I, you know, I, I think these people are really friends. They may start off as friends, but I think they all consider themselves like coworkers at a job. Like, do you yeah. necessarily want to hang yeah. out on your off time with your coworkers? No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to those coworkers that are probably going to listen to this later. <laughs> Although two of you, I do hang out with on the free time. <laughs> um, all right. So which show would you never want your kids to appear on? Uh, all right give me a couple shows and i'll choose like i i'll tell you what show my kids do want to be on they want to be on american ninja warrior junior or they want to be on some sort of like baking show like nailed it or like the great baking challenge they're into those things like the ninja warrior or the baking stuff see i think i like those i think i think i would be upset like if 
if it was like The Bachelor or like 90 Day Fiance. <laughs> like no idea what that is, but they do love. And that's why I interviewed the producer of American Ninja Warrior because my kids were like, oh my gosh, mom, the show is so cool. And then that's a great interview too because you learn about what goes into building the sets. Um, I, I just, I thought that was really fascinating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Two more team Leanne or team Brandy. Um, I'm probably more team Brandy. Okay. I don't know. I'm well. more Brandy because, um, like I relate to her more. She has children and Leanne just seems like she's the kind of person that's keeping some sort of journal assessing all the things that all your foibles that she wants to use against you at a later date. Yeah. I don't know that I like, I, I don't like people like that. I mean, that's based on watching this show. Yeah. Brandy, uh, you know, she's got kids, so and she's married. So I probably have more in common with her. Okay. And what, but, but let's be honest, she was a cheerleader and, and Leanne was like a pageant girl. And there, those are two things that are totally over my head. I don't get the, the either of those. Okay. I'm like, find me the housewife that played field hockey and lacrosse and then we'll, you know. what are some of your favorite podcasts other than your own um well some of the series i've really enjoyed like i love the one escaping nexium that was great and i loved um believe the npr special about the 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 gymnastics the the girls that were abused by the u.s gymnastics doctor that Mm -hmm. was really well done i Mm -hmm. love how to be amazing by Michael Ian e. Black. I think he does great interviews. I've always loved Lance Armstrong's podcast called The Forward. In particular, I love his episode with Chris Evert and the one he did with Ram Emanuel. And there's a great podcast on the Wondering Network called Stories. And it's great if you have kids. It's like both of the co-hosts write the stories and then they perform them and they're usually around like 23 minutes and they're great for the car ride. Mm. Um, I have two quick ones. What reality show other than housewives would you go on in a heartbeat if given the chance? Well, I'm not like when I'm asked like what reality show would you go on? Well, first I have to say, I wish I would like it to be my own because then it's my story and I have editing uh, rights (laughs) But if I think if I would be a great participant on The Bachelor, um, mm-hmm. obviously Chris Harrison's the host, but I would like to be some sort of mole or a consultant. So The Bachelor comes to me and asks me for advice about the contestants. They used to do that back in the day where The Bachelor's friends would come in and like meet the top eight to ten finalists and ask some questions and then give their feedback. So I would like to do something like that. I think that would be great, but I would obviously do it in a different way. Like I'd make them go to, you know, TJ Maxx with a budget and I'd see what they, they would buy with the budget to assess what kind of partner they would be. (laughs) Oh, that's a wonderful image. Um, And then finally, what is your favorite non Bravo reality show currently? Oh, there are so many. Bravo is not the only reality TV channel, people. There are so many great shows outside. Um, what, am, what am I watching this week? Um, well, I always talk about Long Lost Family because that show just 
it it's just a mesmerizing these people that are reconnecting with people that abandoned them as children i like can't get over it long lost family on tlc um the bachelor's gearing up and i review that for the jenny mccarthy show so that's always a laugh because i love jenny and especially since he's a virgin and he's 27 years old which i'm calling bullshit on um (laughs) what else do i love it kind of just depends on the season Mm-hmm. Sister Wives is coming back. I, I that kind of I just fascinates me on TLC. I feel like TLC's got some great shows. A and E, I love the Leah Remini show. Mm-hmm. The Scientology and the aftermath. That's really really well done. Yeah, I like it. All right, Kate. Well, that's all our questions for you. This has been like so amazing we certainly appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today why don't you tell people for the one person that may not know where to find you why don't you tell people where to find you so you can go to my website loveandknuckles.com you can find my podcast anywhere where you listen to podcasts it's called reality life with kate casey and you can find me on twitter at kate casey my instagram is at kate casey ca and oh and join the facebook group reality life with kate casey in the search button it's a great community of people who are deep diving reality shows and um please join it would mean a lot to me yeah we're in there so join us oh we're there we're chatting up a storm (laughs) in those comments (laughs) you guys need to add your friends to the group too oh you got it (laughs) you got it i feel like i say it all the time and no one listens to me they're like yeah whatever lady (laughs) really it's way more fun the more people that are in there and i think i do a pretty good job of making sure that people are that are horrible are not in the group so it's really more fun when more people are finding really interesting bits of information to discuss or old clips of shows or if there's information on a new show coming out it's you know it's so much fun to to chat with other people about it so add your friends will do yes All right. Well, thank you again, Kate. I really, really, really appreciate it. This was so awesome. Yeah, thank you so much. And we'll make sure to share it with you once it's up on Friday. Oh, that would be great. And I have to talk to the cake boss. Do you want me to ask them anything? Oh, my goodness. I'm not good with baking. (laughs) I can make a mean peanut butter cookie, though. (laughs) (laughs) Well, somebody, somebody in some neck of the woods will really enjoy that cookie. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I've been enjoying them all week and my pants are not happy about it. <laughs> well, thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you, Enjoy Kate. Cake, boss. Okay. All Bye. Right. Bye. A big thanks again to Kate Casey for taking the time out of her day to sit down and chat with us. There was It was so much fun. We had such a great time. Really hope you guys enjoyed it. Again, don't forget to go to iTunes or anywhere where you listen to podcasts and hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with us. Again, if you liked the show, please give us a rating. It really does help us out. Again, we are still real new at this, so we're hoping to kind of get the word out there like Kate said in the interview and it can sometimes be a little crazy for us newbies so please do that it would mean a lot to us we will be back next week with an all-new episode reviewing some awesome shows like the premiere of X on the Beach and 
the brand new Beverly Hills Housewives trailer dropped this week. So we are going to deep dive that. We're so excited. Happy holidays. If you celebrate Christmas, please have a wonderful holiday with your family and friends. And we will catch you guys next week. Bye-bye.